welcome to the Urgent Care Leadership Podcast. I'm Llewellyn Horwitz. As CEO of the Urgent Care Association, and after working in the industry for over 15 years, I've met a lot of urgent care leaders in every role and at every level. These are the people taking the risk of being a little ahead of everyone else. And though we all spend a lot of time talking about the business of urgent care or urgent care medicine, we don't talk a lot about urgent care leadership. So as you've probably guessed, that's what this podcast is all about. I'm really glad you're here, so let's get into it. This episode is another bonus episode created as part of UCA's education series called UCBX. Created for center managers, UCBX takes quick dives into leadership topics for easy learning in urgent care's fast-paced environment, and you can learn more about them at ucaoa.org. Typically, I'm interviewing a guest as usual, but for this episode, the guest is me. Hello and welcome. My name is Melody Turk, and I am the Director of Professional Development for Urgent Care Association. And joining me today is Llewellyn Horwitz, our CEO. Hey, everybody. (laughs) Thanks for joining. My pleasure. So today, we're going to talk about hiring right. So for our clinic managers, can you kind of set the stage for them? I mean, when does this actually start? Yeah, I think this is this is a such a good opportunity to to begin with the end in mind. If you go into the hiring process with only a general concept of what you're looking for, for example, what you've put in the job description or what you've said in the job posting, you're, you're setting yourself up to hire a general concept of your ideal candidate. And so this really begins, you know, we're going to focus today on the interview portion of hiring, right? But it really begins before you speak to anyone, having a very clear picture in your mind, a precise and detailed picture of exactly what you're looking for. Otherwise, how do you know that you've found it if you don't know what you're looking for? So it really helps set that whole interview process up for success by getting very clear about that technically and behaviorally. So it's, you know, it's really a hire to hire activity where you look at your existing team because in a center, they're not very many people. And so you you're you have the ability to look at your existing team and see where your gaps are. For this particular hire, do you need somebody with lots of experience or are you looking to bring in some fresh perspective? Do you need somebody who's extroverted and bubbly or do you need somebody more thoughtful and serious to sort of round out your team? And so going into that with your, you know, your ideal candidate in mind, it helps you ask the right questions and look for the right answers for this particular hire. And hopefully to prevent you from hiring somebody just because their qualifications match your minimum requirement. Going through that thought process also may lead you to even update the language that you are putting into the job posting to try to attract the specific candidate that that you're talking about. So it begins in your head in a lot of ways before anything starts coming out of your mouth in the interview. I think that's a really good setup. So when we talk about this today, you know, we've set this up, we've decided who we're going to hire, you know, where those gaps are. Then, you know, we think we have found someone, so we're going to bring them in for an interview. Now, what do we do? Yeah, there's obviously a whole process that we're not going to cover today as far as figuring out who looks great on paper. So, (laughs) you know, that's the next. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's really the next step. Some people really like to do a phone interview before they bring somebody in. I'm not a big fan of that because it doesn't, you know, I don't have the talent of pulling out what I need 
through a phone interview. And so it just feels like a waste of time for me. But some people do like that. But I really want to focus the particular skills we're talking about today on when you get that person face-to-face because our business is a face-to-face business, virtual care, notwithstanding. Um, And so that, that is really where the rubber meets the road on this. So the goal of the interview, when you get them into your space is, is to get the candidate to show you who they really are, not their interview self. And that's where these, these techniques I think really come in handy. And it's not, um, it, we have a tendency to make mistakes with this. And I think it comes from this desperate fantasy that we all have that our very first candidate will be perfect and we will be finished. <laughs> it's wouldn't so that be great. Yes. Wouldn't that be one great? Interview, one hire. Exactly. One and done. That's what we all wish for. Um, and it's so seductive when you're running a busy center, you really, really need to hire somebody. It's easy to let that an inclination for giving the candidate the benefit of the doubt seep into your brain at a time when you absolutely should not be doing that. Give your employees the benefit of the doubt, not your candidates. (laughs) And so there are things that we start to do in our heads that translate out of our mouths into that, those interview behaviors versus what we should be doing in that room. Okay. So let's, let's start there. So what are some things that we shouldn't do <laughs> that maybe we do unintentionally? The number one thing that I think people fall into, um, and it happens right out of the gate in the interview, is talking first, talking instead of listening. This is when the interviewer begins the interview with this friendly monologue about the role and the center and the team and what they're looking for in their ideal candidate. Yes. And it, it seems and feels like a really nice thing to do for the candidate who's coming in you know, with this blank slate, not knowing most of these things, but what you're really doing is giving them all the right answers that they will just repeat back to you later versus telling you what they really, really think and where they're coming from. You are leading the witness to use, uh, you know, a judicial term, and you really don't want to do that. At the beginning, you should do much more listening and talking and always get the candidate to talk first. Uh, An easy way to do this to me is just ask them to walk you through their resume. Tell them a little bit about your past jobs or schooling, if they're coming right out of school, um, what made them move from one role to another. They already know the answers to these questions because it's their life. And so you don't, you know, you won't have those guilty feelings about like I'm giving them a setup question to try to trick them right out of the gate. It doesn't feel like that. It's just tell me, you know, about that. And it's easier to say, walk me through your resume than, well, it's easier to hear that as a candidate than tell me a little about yourself. That's really open-ended and does feel like a setup. So I prefer that question about, why don't you walk me through your career history or work history or school? Um, And that gives everybody some familiar ground and you can already start, you know, looking for the things that you're looking for as they're answering. Yeah. That sounds really good. I know um, sometimes you hear something that you, you didn't catch while you're looking at the resume. Exactly. I mean, read it, but um, it's always good to hear their perspective and sharing that information. It might be interpreted a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. So I really yeah. like that listening to them first. So it has to oh. just one more add in there that when, when sometimes in urgent care, we will ask, you know, to do some skill testing, we'll get people to do some technical proficiency questions or demonstrations, you know, um, 
if you were going to draw my blood, show me how you would do that. That's a really easy place to start giving hints as well without realizing that you're doing it. You know, your eyes will go to the next thing that they're supposed to be doing, kind of giving them little hints. So it's not just those behavioral questions. So I just wanted to call that out as well. The technical part too. Mm -hmm. That's really good. Mm -hmm. So that's one really great one. What other mistakes do we make? So as you were just saying, you know, while they are talking, you're not just listening passively while they while they talk. This is probably a speech that they have prepared. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's not that unusual a question. And so <laughs> right. they're they're trying to show you their interview self, you know, and you're trying to get them to show you the real self. And so asking probing questions as they go, what you really are trying to do is break up that rhythm of their speech. Because they're they're going to just go if you let them. And so um, jumping in and saying, well, wait a minute, um, what did you love most about that job? Or which of those classes was your favorite? Just anything that, one, it shows an interest, which is a nice thing for all of us to do. And you should actually be interested because this person might be coming to right. join your team. But it also kind of breaks the rhythm and gets them to answer a question that they are not specifically prepared for, which is what you're trying to get to. Um, People also tend to gloss over career transitions. So that's a great place to jump in and say, wait, wait, how did you go from doing this to doing that? Tell me a little bit more about that. Mm -hmm. Um, And that sometimes there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, good good data in there (laughs) about why they made a transition. Um, And sometimes you know, a lot of the times it will, um, you know, speak to incorrect assumptions that you're making of, wow, this person made a lot of transitions. Well, it turns out every single one of them had a really good reason. And sometimes life is just like that. And so it's worth asking, not just to break up the rhythm, but because it gets you some good information. Um, I do have two kind of a quick caveat here on the probing questions. If you are a person who is really interested in people, it's very easy to go completely off track into something really, really interesting that they're talking about. And 20 minutes will have gone by and you still have a lot of questions to ask that person. So you need to, you know, pay attention to that and don't let yourself follow that track for too long. So just some sort of bring it back phrase like, wow, that is really interesting, but let's keep going with the next position. Tell me about that one is just a way to get yourself and everybody back on track. Um, The last thing about probing questions, I think that sometimes people don't go you know, off script and ask a probing question because they're afraid of asking something illegal, which is a good, healthy fear. I'll grant you, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but there's that list of things that you should not be asking in an interview is pretty short when it comes down to it and tend to be variations on a theme. And so um, I think we're putting together a short resource for that to go along with this. Yes, we are. So just being familiar with those, they're easy to avoid once you know what they are. Um, And so I want to just sort of pull that fear off. Absolutely. Yeah. So, So, I mean, this is really good. You're, you're in the interview, you're talking back and forth, and I'm glad you called out that you need to get yourself back on track. I'm one of those people, persons, and I can, you know, continue to talk about their dog (laughs) or whatever came up in the conversation. So that's really good. But for those other people, maybe that like quick connection isn't quite there and they, there's an awkward silence. What do you say about that? How do you address that? Mm, I'm so glad you brought that up. I'm a big fan of the awkward silence. <laughs> <laughs> Me and no one else in the universe. Um, I, I think that silence in an interview is just a golden opportunity because you 
if you can handle it and hang in through that silence and wait for the candidate to fill it, it's one interesting to see how they do under stress because silence is stressful in a conversation. Um, And so it's interesting because they're going to be under stress in your center. There's going to be plenty of awkward moments in urgent care. (laughs) And so it's really good to see how they, how they handle that. Um, You know, and there's an infinite number of good ways to handle that. You know, I don't know that there's any real bad way to handle that, Um, but it, it will be, it will tell you a lot to see how they do that. And you know, I think it's it's so uncomfortable for us. Our tendency, obviously, is to fill it up. We right. tend to jump in, particularly if we've just asked a question and there's this lull where they're thinking or they're not answering or you can't quite tell what's happening. Um, just give it a minute because what we typically do is start to jump in. We say, um, so for example, let me give you kind of a maybe something that you could be doing here. And we try to jump in and answer it for it. And we lead them down this path that we hoped they would go on their own, but they're not going. So we try to assist them. And that's exactly <laughs> the wrong thing to do because we're giving them the answer again right. versus get it, giving them a little bit of space. And, and, you know, if, if there were a timer on the interview, I think that most of the time those awkward silences are maybe 15 to 30 seconds. I mean, a 30 second silence is a really, really long time. And it probably feels like two minutes, but it's not. Just wait and see what happens. It's perfectly okay to sit there. And I'll even say sometimes if I can tell somebody's struggling, take your time, not in a hurry. Take your time and think about your answer. Well, and I imagine, you know, for some people, they can't answer right away, but other people, they're nervous. They're in an interview. So it's great to have that uh, safety for Mm -hmm. silence, to Mm -hmm. give them a moment to be like, oh, I know the answer to this. What is this? And And in a way, you're telling them a little bit about your style as their boss, that it's okay to not know the answer perfectly on day one. And around here, we learn together, you know, those kind of things. A lot of, you know, this is a lot of undercurrent that's going on, but, um, you know, it's, it's interesting for them as well, because, you know, there's in addition to the wish for giving them all the right answers so that we can be finished, (laughs) we do want to communicate eventually in the interview, something about the company and the culture and the role and all those things. We just need to wait and not do that right out of the gate. So I really like that. So, so, you know, we're having this conversation and an interview and, and things are going fairly well. What about, I mean, sometimes I've been a manager and you're just, something's just off. Mm. <laughs> you're, you're feeling like, mm, this just isn't going well, or this isn't right. I mean, how do you address that? Yeah. Yeah. We do have a tendency, particularly if we're doing, you know, an emergency hire, Mm -hmm. urgent care is typically fairly lean staff. And so most of the time you're hiring, it probably feels like there's a lot of pressure to pick somebody and and choose somebody because your, your team is struggling and um, you know, you're paying overtime and all of those things. And so we, we do that thing that we talked about at the beginning is in addition to helping them along, we start discounting, negative signs that we're getting from a candidate. We yeah. say things to ourselves like you just said a second ago, well they're probably just nervous. Or that was Absolutely. kind of a hard question or they just need some training on how we do things here. And of course it's possible that all those things are true. Um maybe likely that all those things are true, but you need to recognize them for what they are and question yourself as you start telling yourself these stories about this person and why they're either not answering the way that you wish that they would um, 
or what have you, you need to say, hold on, am I, am I doing that thing when I feel, (laughs) when I'm making a bunch of excuses, because you need to remember the candidate is on their very best behavior right that minute. They are actively trying to impress you. And so what you are seeing is possibly as good as they are going to get. And so you've got to factor that into your decision-making. Yes, we train them. Yes, we orient them. But if you already have some yellow flags going up, absolutely pay attention to those because they're, they're there for a reason. And well, (laughs) I think it's really good. I mean, what I'm hearing is if, if you're already talking yourself into like trying to convince yourself they're a good candidate, that probably is a yellow flag. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And, you know, all of these add up to that same bias that we carry into the interview that this one is the one. And so we say things and think things that artificially make that to be true. And then we pay for it later because we didn't hire the real person. We hired the fantasy person. And then we have to do it all over again. Yep. And it's so much better for you and your team to look harder and be more critical in the interview process so that you pick the right person the first time, even if it takes a little longer. And I know that's hard to believe, but ask your team and they will tell you they would rather wait a little bit longer for the right person than work with the wrong person and have you saddle your team with that, with that person that's not the right fit. Um, And that's what turns around haunting you as a manager, because now you have to get rid of them or you have to manage them. And that because you, you rush to a decision out of the right, the right reasons, um, but the wrong, the wrong moves. So. And I know people can't see me, but I keep nodding my head because you're so right. I mean, when you get the wrong person in a team, it just everybody, especially a small team. Yeah. We've got no room for that in urgent care. Oh, and it's just a total disruption. Yeah. 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 So can you kind of, I, we've talked about a lot of things. Could, could you maybe just kind of run down that list of things to remind yeah, our yeah, audience yeah. what we're talking about? Yeah. Um, and I want to make a general comment about them. So we've talked about listening instead of talking, particularly at the beginning, mm-hmm. using the silence to see what it can tell you, um, using probing questions and paying attention to those yellow flags. But to make all of this worth using, you have to be able to hear what they are telling you. And not everyone is naturally talented at this. Not everyone is you know, naturally intuitive And if you know that about yourself, that you don't pick up on these things in an interview, you need to get other people involved in your interview process. And so this is, you know, if you're really good at sussing out things on paper, but not those more subtle signs that you get in an interview, get other people in the room with you if you can. Uh, Figure out who, go ahead. I was just going to say, does it matter who you bring in? I mean, do you need someone at the same level? Not really, because they're there. For that specific talent that they're bringing, Um, figure out who on your team has that skill and ask them to participate because they're there for a particular reason, which is to pick up on those those cues that you're you don't have the natural talent for. And, you know, as you continue to work with people who do you, you get better at it and vice versa. It also, you know, is if you if you can pick somebody who's, um, you know, on a leadership track, that's a great experience for them. Obviously, Um, you know, and I think if you're going to pick somebody, it would be good to be transparent with your team, your existing team about why you're picking that person. So it's not like, well, Uh they never pick me and I don't, you know, and now I feel slighted. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah, you don't want that. Yeah. And so, um, but there's also, you know, there is a role for the rest of the team, I think, in, in the interview process. 
Okay. One thing I'll add really quick about having a buddy in the room, a technique that I've found helpful is for the two of you to have a a subtle signal between you that's kind of a yes, no. So we don't waste anybody's time. So in a company I used to look work for, um, everybody went in with their pen cap off this. And if it was a no, one of the interviewers put their pen cap on and that was a signal to the other person of I'm done. This is not a go for me so that you don't then spend an hour sort of going through the motions with that person. So to have some kind of a signal um, and it's okay to end an, an interview early. If you can tell from their initial candidates, I mean, their initial questions that it's not the right fit. That's okay. Um, unless you want the practice or the practice for your, for your fellow staff person of, of going through that. And, you know, that gives the candidate practice too. It's sort of a, almost a win-win for everybody. Um, yeah. Well, that's a good call out. I hadn't thought about having, you know, some little trick and now, you know, anytime I'm in a meeting and I'm going to be thinking about someone with a cap off on their, <laughs> on their pen, <laughs> but I think that's really good so that you don't have to go, um, you know, make up some excuse to get out of the meeting early, um, which always looks suspect. So, mm-hmm. 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 okay. So we've talked about all these things about, you know, what we shouldn't do, you know, what we should pay attention to in an interview, what happens when it goes really well and yeah. connect with that person. And maybe it's not the first um, interview, but, but, but it, the it, fantasy has come true. At the last. fantasy has come true and it feels right what do we do then? I mean, do we say, Hey, we're going to hire you right now today. I mean, if you think you have a winner, you do need to already have a plan in place for when that magical event happens. Um, and so have that, have that planned out from day one, because it could be your first person, which would be great. Um, (laughs) you know, and there's a, you can have a fun signal for that too, but, um, you probably won't. Cause if you, if you have those good feelings, you want to spend the entire, you know, hour, what you have set aside to really dig in and, and confirm what you're, um, and give them a chance to ask extensive questions of you too, because obviously this is a two-way decision. Um, right. What I would typically recommend is that you have a second step to the interview where you let them tour the clinic with another team member after the interview is done. Let okay. them go around, show them around, let them introduce them to people, let them have a moment of, you know, hello and that kind of thing. Um, it gives you as the manager just a few quiet minutes, either with your buddy or with yourself to think through, okay, is this really the one, you know, what did you think? What did you think? Have that quick conversation just to make sure everybody's on the same page. Um, Odds are you probably have a few other things that you have to check. So you may not be able to make an offer on the spot, but you want to clearly signal to the candidate that this was a good interview from your perspective and tell them that, it was great to meet them. It sounds like they have great experience, you know, using lots of positive words and that they will be hearing from you very soon because you don't want that person to get away. (laughs) You don't know that they're not going, you know, in their car to the very next interview. And so you want to send them out with a really good feeling and have all of those other things lined up and ready to go. You know, if you can make an offer that day, that's ideal because it's a super competitive market. Oh yeah, definitely. All right. So, I mean, this has been really great. Um, do you have any other tips? I mean, you know, we in the interview, I mean, is there any way or any last thoughts that we should share with clinic managers? The only thing I'll add is that when you do go into an interview, you should be doing it with genuine curiosity about getting to know this person. This is not just an HR function that you have to do so you can fill the schedule. 
(laughs) (laughs) though (laughs) that may feel like the most urgent thing, you know, this, you're, you're leading a little family. And so, you know, you really want to get to know that person um, and, and find a way that fits your own skill set to crack that hard candy interview shell and see the person underneath. And you don't have very much time to do that. Um, and, and also you need to be as honest as possible with them as well. We, you know, sometimes do see once you find that person, you want, you know, you're so eager for that fantasy to come true that we, we gloss over what it's really like to work in urgent care. And that sets that person up for unhappiness, feelings of betrayal. And that's not a good way to start or be in the middle of or end a relationship. So, you know, being honest about the great things about urgent care, and there's lots of them, but also the things that are different than perhaps where they used to work. That's really the only way both of you are going to find a great and lasting match. This has been wonderful. Um, I hope all of our managers take all of your tips into into, uh, practice. They come from years of experience. So happy to share. Thanks for having me. To our audience, just thank you for joining us today. And everybody have a great day. 